rampaging through the Sunshine State. Eileen decided men couldn't be trusted. And for that, she made them pay. Eileen, relax! I don't know where my head is today. That's how I decided to start off the show. Because that's where that strain is coming from. You're pushing, you're pushing out too much. You gotta. Okay, all right, Beyonce. You know what, Beyonce, relax. Let me Michelle. Let me Michelle my way through this podcast today, and you won't cover me, Beyonce. You gotta be like, it's just. Because a lot of sound we make when we're we talk, still here talking about my vocals from pushing out, but just Thank but whatever. You, welcome to what welcome I won't to, be on D Corals Part Two Christmas Carol. Then you might. I mean, I think it would be a beautiful thing. I feel like you should pick a. a, a I need two voices, dude. Yeah, I think you should just pick a yes. a case. Probably, you know, this next one is going to be something. You don't even know what it is yet. But I have no I, idea. Well, I actually sent it to you, and you didn't respond, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, but this is episode 39 yeah. of What Did You Do? And my name is Charnel. And this is D, as and usual. We're, as and this is no longer a vocal lesson. This is <laughs> a podcast. You you heard him school me? I wasn't schooling. I was I was just teaching. I was uh, coaching. All right, Beyonce. <laughs> I was like, I don't see, I don't see the need to imp- implement any more notes until the ones I've already <laughs> reported. <laughs> I can't stay. And we're back. <laughs> we are uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. Housekeeping. Um, if you guys want to support us and and the things that we do, you can head over to Patreon. We are going to have a welfare check uh, coming out very soon because we have been slacking because school and life uh, is taking over. Um, one of us is getting married. <laughs> next weekend which, which one of us is that who is that definitely not, not i it's definitely not i yeah that seems to be the case i think the next the next case by the have? next episode yeah. you'll all no no yeah yeah you'll be all married and whatnot yeah uh what does that look like what does marriage look like but that's Hopefully what not like my first one Oh, I forgot you were married once. You, you always you say that every time I mention it. Like, because I don't I don't judge people by their past mistakes. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take that. I forget. You should be excited. <laughs> that was, that I had a mistake. Uh, but no, so check us out there. It'll all be there. Um, there are going to be some awesome things. And I might have an overabundance of a certain item at some point in the next month or so. And if I do, I'm going to throw that on the Patreon as well. I'm not going to say Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but it's like, if it happens after CrimeCon, they'll just yeah. be available. Yeah. Um, and it won't be, it won't take much for me to send you. Right. Um, but other than that, CrimeCon is coming up in two weeks-ish. Something three like weeks. Three. Um, June 7th weekend. through the 9th. I know, that's where I'm thinking. And you can find us there. I know, I can't remember her name. But there's a very awesome and very sweet and ambitious young lady who was like, I'll I'll plan a meetup in NOLA and I'm giving that the green light. Yeah. So yeah, that, <laughs> like that was let's, a dope idea. Yeah, so let's do that. We're gonna do that. I will be, some, be coming off the plane, but I will be participating. I will have already been there for like three and years. And you'll probably be like intoxicating. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're right. Um, but so check that out. Where what's the code if they want to get ten percent off their standard badge? WDYD19. There you go. Yes, with no so, notes. <laughs> so check us out uh, there. Get your tickets. Um, we're also going to be doing a live show at CrimeCon. Yes. Um, but I um, unfortunately you can't come unless you have a badge. Yeah. Uh, makes me sad. I wish I wish that was a thing. I wish we were cool enough or or popping enough to do one outside of Crime Con. And it could just be anybody. But I maybe mean, one day. One day. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, but other than that, I think that's all the the uh, housekeeping I had to do. I have no housekeeping whatsoever. We're gonna talk more about. Oh Eileen. wait, before we talk about Eileen, that's right. We still have the little contest going on for the t-shirts. Um, oh, that's a yeah. I, that's a you. That's a you baby. That is thing. a you. That is the me baby. Um, you guys, if you. Didn't hear before. Um, we're trying to take designs for our next t-shirts for our merchandise. Um, whoever gets chosen gets a free t-shirt. I think we said by July first we want these entries. Yes. So haven't gotten anything yet. So send me all the stuff. Send it to our emails. You can I'm find us shocked. everywhere. DMs. Because somebody was like, "We should do this. This should be a contest." Or maybe they had a vision, yeah, they but they couldn't be the vehicle. They're like, "I'm not artistically <laughs> yeah, talented, but somebody might be." No, definitely. I I want T-shirt ideas. I want it from you guys. So that's fun. I'm yeah. ready for new merch and new merch. Just advice. again, no no depictions of murder on any shirt that I'm gonna be like. That's that's grody, but if, <laughs> it, you can feel free that it's implied at some way. If you can find a way to be imply. Right, that, then without it's okay. direct. Yeah, I'm not. I don't yeah. like that stuff. You, I don't ever catch me wearing anything. Um, and crosses don't count because <laughs> someone's like, "What about Jesus on a cross?" I'm like, "Chill out." <laughs> like, wait a minute. Uh, but are, now, are we going in? Are we doing Eileen? Now we could dive into my uh, little friend Eileen. Okay, and so we left where we left Eileen off. She had just. Um, ended the life of one uh, electronics repairman, Richard Mallory. Yeah. And he had just, his body had been discovered, his, his car had been discovered. And she had gone back to Tyra and disclosed all the things that have happened. All the and deeds. All the deeds. And Tyra didn't bounce, but they did, in fact, bounce together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a six-month cooling-off period. Uh, but in that, after that, uh, she would strike three more times. Yep. She would jump in. Um, and she trapped them all the same way. This wasn't a new year, new me for her, man. She started six months later, which was a whole new year. Right. And uh, <laughs> she didn't make any life yeah. decision choices different. Yeah, 1990 was just oh. the same as 89. Yep, and it was a wang dang duel all of 90. Uh, you can stop using that wang dang doodle word, please. <laughs> I was like, how old? I get it from XD. XD, XD. It's a wang dang doodle. doodle. I love that word. Well, yeah. So she would continue to she would continue to uh, pick men off, and she would trap them all the same exact way. She would either pick them up as a client or a quote unquote John, depends on what dated document uh, documentaries you're watching, or uh, and use that to lure them to their deaths. Or she would stand by the side of the road and pretend to be uh, uh, maiden uh, maiden um, <laughs> mister. What do you call those things? A maiden in distress. Well, there is a word for it. That's not right. Uh, damsel. Da- there you go. Damsel. She pretended to be a See? damsel. Because I know these old terms, okay? Why are you yelling into your <laughs> microphone? Because I'm ready to fight. It's going to blow it out. Um, but, you know, she pretend to be a damsel uh, in, distress, in distress. And she would just be parked, parking next to, not parked, but her body would be next to an abandoned vehicle. Um and that's how she would get them. They'd stop thinking she was a woman that needed help. Mm-hmm. And then she would get them to drive her somewhere and 
And that's how she would I'm get I'm going to go ahead and say, um, don't stop and help a woman, a damsel in distress, because you never know. Um, I'm not that's about it. that stopping for strangers at all. No, I'm not I'll call like the police. Yeah, I'll call the police. If you look like you're in danger, mm-hmm. if you look like you're harmed, if there's an accident, I'll call the cops and let them know, hey, there's right, an accident right. at exit 75. Right. Um, the driver's not moving. I didn't stop because <laughs> the car is on fire. Like, I, Or right. maybe I thought I saw someone injured. Uh, I remember one time there was a car... Uh, side note, a uh, sidebar. Uh, it was like parked in like, he- not like a uh, uh, brush mm-hmm. off the side of the road, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's fine. They just like pulled off because I mean they had a flat tire, but then I saw that the back tires were still like spinning, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that person's like dead. Yeah, but I didn't realize it right. like until like half a mile, a mile down the road, and you can't turn around on the highway, so I just right. called the cops. Right. Um, no, I've seen a car turned upside down before, and I've called. As well. Yeah, like yeah. for things like that. But when I see someone on the side of the road, like people see drive. I've been flat tires. I've had and people just continue to drive by. I've already called AAA. You don't need to stop for me. It's right, fine. right. Keep going. Just keep, keep going. going. I'm sitting in the car. I'm warm or. But cool. there's you know that gender thing where like a woman will can't hurt you. Right. Somebody younger and... can't hurt you, and it's not necessarily true. So don't feel obligated. Um, to I don't know do the whole gender role thing and think oh she can't hurt me I'm a man. Because Eileen yeah. proved that wrong. No, Eileen Call the cops, definitely... and that's the best you could do. Keep right. it moving. So in May, uh, Eileen would take her next victim, David Spears. Yep. He was a 43-year-old construction worker, and his body was found June 1st, 1990, along Highway 19 in Citrus County, Florida. He was he... shot six times. Six times. Six times. The next is a name that I am going to butcher, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, at the same time, in the end of May, uh, Eileen would take the life of Charles Carskaden. Carskaden. I was trying to listen to... Carskaden? Sure. Whatever. Age 40. Um, he was a rodeo worker. Interesting. And he was found June 6th in Paso County, Florida. Shot nine times. Nine. Nine times. Escalation? Maybe. It's three more bullets. Yeah, and so what I was trying to find here was Definitely descriptions of... The problem with Eileen is that Eileen became this personality mm-hmm. when her case really started coming Blown up. Not. And so who she was, I think she was She was actually one of the, I would say, in my time. Like mm-hmm. when I re- started hearing about it, like in the mid-90s, and I knew who Eileen Warnos was and my mom loved true crime, so... Mm-hmm. I heard about this all the time and probably messed me up a little bit. But it was more about what Eileen was saying and who she was more than who did she kill. Right. And so when you think about, um, like, we don't really know details. Like, what this rodeo work? I'm assuming he's sturdy, stronger, broader. Um, Maybe she saw him as a bigger threat, more dangerous, um, even in his own mind, even if she had picked him up as a as a client for a sex work. Did, well, didn't she typically pick clients up that were smaller than her, though? Yeah. Wasn't that her thing? Yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, but I, but I, I still think, like, mm, Maybe. Money yeah. is money. Right. I mean, we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would still go home um, to Tyra with all these things, though. Right. And that's, and that's the problem. Right. Uh, but... What was really interesting here, uh, and the, and the third time that she would strike, uh, she went for an older man, uh, 65 year old Peter Sims. Um, fourth time. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's the fourth time. I'm talking about the third time since the, oh, I know what I'm saying. I got this. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, 
You don't need those music notes coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so, yeah, so he had uh, he had left Florida. He was traveling on his way to New Jersey uh, before he had run into uh, the roadblock that was Eileen Warnos. Right. Um, and what's funny is that his car was actually found in Orange Springs, Florida on the 4th of July in 1990. Mm-hmm. But there's a story. Mm-hmm. behind this it's not your typical like oh they found his car like they found the other the other victims cars not right. this was a little bit more interesting because eileen and tyra were actually driving peter sims car they had stolen the car and were driving it around in it mm-hmm. and they hit a turn way too fast and the car rolled Old. yep and so people witnessed this and phoned in for emergency <laughs> services and then eileen kind of in her I want to call it mania. Like she was like in it, like trying mm-hmm. to clean things up, get things together. Realize if they show up, mm-hmm. if the police show up, they would see it was an issue driving a missing man's car. Right. And so, yeah, he's been missing for three weeks at this point. So she rips off the license plate, the rear license plate with her bare hands. That is strength. <laughs> And tossed it into the woods. Adrenaline, you guys. Right. And then her and Tyra bounced. Right. So in like my head, they were so close mm-hmm. to being caught. Mm-hmm. By lack of, like, just, like, we could be arrogance, could be, they've got their irresponsible and terrible, reckless drivers. It's all these things. Come to find out later on, though, for the situation, she wasn't too, as neat as she thought she was. As what? I'm sorry? She wasn't as neat as she w- thought she was. Oh, no. Yeah. She was She was definitely arrogant. No, she no. was just doing things. Thinking yeah, like, she thought she was covered, but she was not. Well, the problem was, is not only was she covered, but she doesn't fit the profile of a serial killer for people, especially in the of early course. 90s. Yeah. So they had, the police had a lot of trouble tracking this new killer because they weren't entirely sure that, one, they were dealing with one killer at all, and two, because they believed the killer to be a man. Right. Uh, given the state of some of the victims that... One was possibly a latent homosexual, which I think is the most hilarious uh, profile uh, piece that any any kind of uh, profiler does on a serial killer. Someone's latently homosexual, right. and I'm like, "How did you decide?" No, we know why. Like, it could be it could be the sexual nature of crime, yada yada yada. Um, but I'm like, geez, or it could just be someone who is attracted to men, right? Well, the, you know, so at this like, time, you know, women didn't do this type of thing. Exactly. It, but it was just funny to me. Like, every time, it's always so... Like, if you look at most serial killers, like, look at profiles. I challenge you guys to look at the profilings of killers in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and how often latent homosexual comes up, or possibly a latent homosexual. Those words mm-hmm. <laughs> comes up in, they in, the, in the file. They want to attach it to homosexuality so bad back then. Exactly, because homosexuality was. was deviance. Yes. Um, so. Some would argue today that it still is. You can fight me. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's the kind of day you had? Right. Not the kind of day I had, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but it's how she left the crime scenes, too, that people... Uh, kind of realized like it couldn't possibly be uh, one person or it had to be a man because these bodies were found either away from a car sometimes, uh, the way that they were robbed. Like They would imply that this person had to be someone who's intimidating and women are just not that. Right. Um, in these Do you have to be intimidating though with a gun? Like That's my thing. Sometimes. like I, w- I would be honest. Guns are scary, but it depends on who's pointing it at me. You know, like, or or has it around me? Because there are some people I know, like, you clumsy, you know, whatever. <laughs> that would be me fumbling it. Exactly. So sometimes it, um, I don't know. I'm, we're not going to get into it. We're, we're getting sidetracked here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it was soon discovered after this little flub that the car that was rolled over was, in fact, the car that belonged to Peterson, the man they had been looking for. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but one viable print was found That's on the saying. interior door. Yes. Just the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couldn't track the women. They were spotted. They were seen leaving. But they had already hitchhiked back to Daytona. They were already in a car headed in the opposite direction at this point. So, again, keep in mind that her girlfriend was in that car. She was with her during this time. Yeah, Tyra. I don't with, know about Tyra, man. The problem with Tyra is that there's you can talk about um, we can talk about traumatic bonding. We could talk about right. maybe there there was some inclination or suggestions that Tyra was actually involved. You know, and so there's a, there's a lot of things that happen. So like, why are you so blind to this? But a lot the the theory, the working theory, is always that she is terrified mm-hmm. of this woman, and as people should be because. Eileen um, is yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. She doesn't care who she, who she, like, she takes pool balls to people. Like, she is, <laughs> she is a, an attack dog at her core. Well, Nuck, if, if you, you buck. buck. I mean, we talked about the anger the last She episode. had let us she know that she is, in fact, issues. buck. And <laughs> she doesn't Daenerys have to worry about Daenerys buck. Daenerys? Oh, I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even in this time, Sketches were done of the women from the witnesses who witnessed them fleeing the scene of this accident. But they didn't want to release it in mass because they didn't want to tip off Eileen and Tyra. So it was only released locally and that was it. And because of that, these two women were able to escape and one of them was able to continue their reign of destruction in the Florida area. And she continued it about three more times. Mm-hmm. She would claim the lives of three more victims in this. It would be a Mr. Troy Burris. Yes. He was a 50-year-old uh, sausage salesman from Acala, Florida. He's reported missing July 31st of 1990, and his body was discovered on the 4th of August uh, in a wooded area in Marion County, shot twice. I don't know why this one hits me, the next victim hits me, and I guess that's why I was paying attention to it. Well, it's because of exactly who we are. That this yeah, that would hit me a little bit hard. Um, and it's because, we, oh, we can sidestep it once we get there. <laughs> um, but Charles Humphreys, yeah. uh, 56 years old, see, very decorated in his own right. Yeah. He was a he was a member of the U.S. Air Force formerly, a state child abuse investigator. And Which, I think that's I mean, why whoever we... Whoever does that line of work, yeah intense yeah and deserves all the all the self-care and good things in the world and a former chief of police Mm -hmm. um but on september 12th um his body was found in marion county florida see he had been fully clothed right and shot six times in the head so he could have been one of those damsel in distress situations Mm -hmm. especially with somebody his background and stuff like that someone who is definitely capable right of taking care like protecting themselves possibly and so it could have been uh, just let me. So police uh, probably weren't safe in this situation with her either. Right. Just hey, can you give me a ride, such and such? Mm-hmm. And sure, like yeah, pull down this road. Then and you know, it's all it takes. All the bucking came out, and that's it. Yeah, Eileen was intense, man. Yeah, she she, was. she, she was. and watching like things about her, she was a special, uh, peculiar human being. And Charlize Theron's uh, portrayal of her, like. Is dangerously close. Like, it's, uh... Right, right. You know, and, uh, you know, like, sidebar, like, women in anger is not that unheard of. There's whole studies and assessments for anger in women, especially when they've been through traumatic experiences and long-time abuse. It's not unheard of. It's actually very very common for women in the, like, 
criminal justice system, but we don't think about it. It's not mainstream. We don't think uh, anger is something women will have, but most of the time it's, it's the women. We have, like I said, like working in the field, we have like assessments to assess these things for specifically women, and we don't have it for men. This is true. Mm-hmm. I'd say, so, yeah. So it's they don't they don't really align those two. But if you align the anger issues that could come with years of trauma and abuse, somebody like Eileen is not too off. You know, they think serial killers are just reserved for the men. But if you could look at what trauma could do to a person, it's very like reasonable that a woman can commit right. these murders. And more than like, and more than likely, uh, women tend to be the victims of. Uh, traumatic experiences, abuse, violence, um, domestic, childhood, all those things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that definitely go into this, uh, as far as Eileen is concerned. Her last victim would be Walter Antonio, 62 years old. Uh, November 19th, his uh, nude body was found near a logging road in Dixie County, Florida, shot four times. And five days later, in Brevard County, Florida, they found his vehicle. So Eileen, again, pattern has been established. Yes. And with these five murders in these different counties, again, similarities and patterns, the Florida police finally came to the conclusion that they were dealing with a single mm-hmm. serial sure killer. Yeah. Um, the composite sketches were finally released statewide. And after that, tons of tips started to flood in from Daytona and the Port Orange areas claiming they had cited Tyra and Eileen. Mm-hmm. And once Tyra had caught wind, once it hit news stations, once she, it was funny because people would be talking about it while she was waiting in line places. And so she decided that she would head out. Yeah. She fled the state yeah. and ended up uh, living with her sister in Pennsylvania trying to wait out this mm-hmm. storm. She went to uh, Scranton. Good old Scran, every time I think about it. But some of the 500 leads, like think about how many phone calls and drop-ins that is, uh, that resulted from the publicity uh, from these sketches uh, were telephone calls identifying, I'm sorry, one of the women as Cammie Green. And because of this, in uh, in that December of 1990, there was finally a break in the case here. Right. So what made this uh, Cami Green specifically special um, is that this was a name that Eileen would use as an alias. And this name became of particular, uh, particular significance, can't talk today, because it turned up on a receipt of, at the OK Pawn Shop uh, for Richard Mallory's camera. Mm-hmm. In a radar detector. Mm-hmm. Uh, December 6, 1989. It was turned in and traded for $30. So, much like in the Andrew Cunanan episode, mm-hmm. uh, they required in Florida to take this thumbprint. Uh, and this print that they had taken actually matched the print that was found inside of Peter Sims' abandoned vehicle. Right. They had Eileen. Connection. This was it. I know, they find. So what happens is they end up following her mm-hmm. uh, for two days. Uh, so the bar she frequented uh, in Volusia County, the last resort, was having this huge biker fest. Pig roast literally sounds lit to me. Uh, my family used to do pig roasts all the time. And, whew, man. Uh, but their fear was that during this bike fest that she'd hop on the bike. Remember, she's alone now. Tyra has is gone. So right. she's just 
navigating this kind of mess all by herself so that she just hop on the bike of a bike somewhere and hop out of town and they would never catch her again. So they had to make their move then. Right. And so on January 9th, 1991, uh, she actually got arrested mm-hmm. at the last resort um, for an outstanding warrant from a 1986 concealed weapons charge. Right. And so police would actually locate Tyra in her, with her sister in right. Scranton, Pennsylvania as well. And she agreed that she would give a full confession of Warnos's crimes and her relationship to them right. as long as she was given immunity. And that she took that as soon as she can. Oh, right. Immediately. As you, the sooner, the, the, the person to, to turn quickest gets the best deal. Right. That's, SVU will teach you that. And (laughs) supposedly she betrayed in doing this, the woman that she loved, but they did this by having um, Tyra call Warnos and they recorded several conversations. Um, It got to a point at one time um, Warnos thought like she was being recorded and Tyra had to like talk her out. Like, no, it's not happening. Like, Like, no, of course not. Why would I do that? You know me manipulating, but you got to do what you got to do, especially if you got immunity sitting on the table. You don't want to do anything because you're, you do not want to go down as an accessory to murder. Right. Which she could have, because I mean, I don't know. And she probably should have. Yeah. To be honest, there's no reason why the car, you know, that car is not yours. They probably had the man stuff all over that car. But not even like you and knew you it wasn't yours. You were aware. Right. You knew you were aware. You Through all this, Eileen wasn't keeping it to herself. No, she was not. She was sharing. Mm-hmm. And so you knew that after the first time, how is she getting money? Oh, I pawned this guy's watch. I pawned this guy's thing. Where'd you meet this guy? Don't worry about it. I took, him, I took care of him. So it's just, you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. But eventually... Mm-hmm. On January 16th of 1991, Eileen would actually confess to the murders. And in this confession, she would claim that these men tried to sexually assault, rape her, uh, and she killed them all in self-defense. Well, now, if you remember when he was describing all these murders, we were naming the number of shots that she took. There was nine, there was six, and there was a reason why I was repeating that, because when you think about self-defense... Those are a lot of shots fired. You know, I mean, I could reasonably say two. Like, she did shoot one of the victims twice, reasonably. But, and also, how many times are you going to find yourself in this predicament? Yeah, but their argument, well, once you say that, that becomes like rape apologists. No, 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 no. You know, but people who are listening are going to be like. But the other side of that, the, the thing is, when you are used, again, we're talking about trauma. When you are used to abusers and feeling powerless, there's always an overreaction mm-hmm. to it. Like we, we see it all the time. It's like, why did you, if you ever watch Snapped, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. on Oxygen? Oxygen, if you want to sponsor this, feel free. Um, <laughs> but when you watch, when you watch Oxygen, it's always these pent up, built up feelings of constraint and powerlessness mm-hmm. that when they finally do defend themselves or act out violently, it's this, overreaction this extreme violent reaction to these huge monstrous abusers that need this in order to be taken down so like you could say that but then it's the inconsistency of the shots that would that would do it for me it's like we went from nine to two right right yeah so like how like were these was this um was this a snowball effect or were you consciously 
choosing how many did you not have enough bullets did you like I mean, all we these also, things pawning of the victim stuff doesn't align with that either a self-defense you defended yourself and decided to steal his stuff and sell it sometimes that could be i don't know why i'm playing devil's advocate <laughs> you really are <laughs> <laughs> but uh my grandma my grandma used to say that the devil has enough advocates <laughs> um but the other side of it uh typically would be that if you are someone who is impoverished and someone tried to harm you and you defended yourself, you would might feel that you were quote unquote owed mm-hmm. something in return, even though you've taken their life. Like there's There's a little bit of I, like for one victim I could see that being possible. Right, but um, not for seven. Not for seven. <laughs> so there is a uh there's definitely a uh inconsistencies yeah. that happen with um all of this stuff. Um so I what I found interesting was during the trial period and um, she finds out that Tyra basically betrayed her. Yeah. But she was in denial about it. Like, it took a while for her to accept the fact that Tyra basically betrayed her. I don't think she really accepted it. Also, in the trial, because she was a woman, and this is a rare occurrence and it got so much media attention, um, I guess she had a woman adopter, which I found interesting just to just to just describe what was going on. Um, a woman used to visit her, adopt her, send her money. I don't know what happened to the relationship. At one point, it turned sour, and then they were no longer. But she had supporters. She had people who were literally supporters. Um, they, you, you know, during her time in jail, she was talking about how she changed and stuff like that. Didn't she also become a little bit of an artist in jail? So there was a lot going on when she was imprisoned. Well, I mean, there, she's. There's, everyone tends to find light <laughs> out of darkness when they're locked up. When you're caught, it's so easy to be a different right. human being and to have nuance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the more logistical things go, uh, like so January 14th of 1992 is when the trial started for Richard Mallory. Right. Um, and so she was convicted of Mallory's murder in um, January 27, 1992. Um, they had psychiatrists look into her. Um, about, you know, mental stability and stuff like that, they possibly diagnosed her with possible borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. Um, And four days later, after her, you know, mental testing was done, she was sentenced to death. Right. So a lot of the times, a very simplistic way to look at this, um, because the the defense you would always argue is after someone's diagnosed with some kind of mental uh, disability or mental illness is to argue the insanity defense, argue that they weren't aware of what was going on. And Eileen's problem is that whenever she would answer questions or have anything, any of the confessions that were recorded, it was never a, did I have enough time to not do it? The answer was always yes. You had more than enough time to think about what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And two, did you know it was wrong? Yes, you knew it was wrong because your actions hiding everything and trying to put things off in the woods and covering people up with carpets and showed that you knew that you wanted your actions covered up implying that you knew that they were immoral or wrong so those two things are really hard to kind of navigate around for an insanity defense and for people who don't know exactly what like borderline personality disorder is antisocial personality disorder is those people are they tend to be very um I don't know how to describe this. Very um, yay or nay, yin or yang. There's no real gray areas when they do things. Either somebody either somebody is black or they are white mm-hmm. uh, all the time. So when you look at the way Eileen looks at the world, 
in the way she justified things is that men are in fact dangerous. Right. There's no there's no other way to describe them. There's no other way to picture them or illustrate them. That is what they are. Um, and they also tend to have a lot of uh, esteem issues, a lot of re- like hard ideas and views of self. Mm-hmm. And if you knew Eileen and her need for companionship, her need to overcome what she was and who she was in the past. Or, so like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, I believe this. I 100%. So I saw some interviews with her and stuff like that. Um, I don't believe it was a show. I believe there is definitely some mental No, 100%. There. Like when you see her talking and discussing um i remember i was looking for an audio clip for last week possibly to use and i was just like it was just so sort there was no cohesiveness to what she was saying it was all over the place um so there is clearly something wrong with her but on march 31st 1992 she pled no context contest (laughs) we're struggling today to the death of david spears Troy Burgess and uh, Charles Humphreys. We were talking about Charles Humphrey. He was the one who was the um, child abuse advocate worker. So she basically said, yeah, I'm not, you know, arguing it. I murdered these guys as well. Um, She also pled guilty on June 1992 to... I also want to take a sidestep. Only because there was a lot of things that were happening in those moments Mm -hmm. where she started, when she pled uh, no contest to those murders... Uh, it's mostly because she made it very clear that Richard Mallory did sexually assault her. She said that this actually happened with this first, uh, with Richard Mallory, this first guy. Mm-hmm. He did rape me, mm-hmm. but these other guys didn't. Mm-hmm. They only tried. So, like, there, like, so there was a, uh, which she might not be. I think Richard Mallory did have. Was it yeah, Richard? yeah. So there was a the history, history of, of of sexual violence or the attempt right. uh, at it. So there there was something in there, and right. I'm not entirely sure if she was privy to that information in the trial or not, um, or her lawyers well, were. And, you know, lawyers definitely right. Have if you shared that with him, because yeah. that, that can inform. The thing is, when you, especially when you have someone with BPD mm-hmm. or APD, if you introduce false memories or things absolutely. that they they will create them on their I've own sometimes. I've absolutely seen this in the years that I've worked. I've worked with a lot of uh, BPD um, clients. Yeah. I've absolutely, like, it's best to keep things clear. And sometimes too much information is, it could be taken. Yeah, and- overwhelming. And it could be taken far out of context. So you kind of limit the information right. to what the basics and what you need to know. Because too much detail it almost like stimulates the imagination and, you know, creates stories. Right. And this newfound kind of transparency was all because she had found Jesus. She had found the Lord, as a lot of people do in <laughs> prison. Uh, some of them find Allah, some of them find Jesus, but I... It's... I just found it interesting. So apparently this woman, I'm not too sure of her name, um, I don't remember, but it was in the documentary I watched about this, adopted her so she could visit her. Oof in prison around this time of her finding the lord yeah it's it's it, it's yeah. always easy to everyone finds a new it's easy to find a moral compass right. after you've you've the word conviction is not going to be used in the legal sense here it's in the moral sense it's always easy to find uh religion when you've been convicted like where you when you're caught where you're being held accountable for your actions and you realize that there's no getting around it it's easy to find hope in faith in something that's bigger than you then. And so that's always interesting to me is that <laughs> everyone usually comes to God kicking and screaming. 
So, right. In June of 1992, she pled guilty to the murder of Karsden. Um, and then in November of 1992, she received her fifth death sentence. They made attempts to bring it back to trial over and over and over again. And actually, at one point, I remember in the trial that I was watching, she actually had begged them to let her die. She did not like being on death row. Um, and she actually told the judge that she's not going to stop doing what she's going to do. She's not going to stop murdering. There is no rehabilitation for her just to let her die. So that was her towards the end. Yeah, and because of that, that is also the thing that uh, was kind of stirring the conversation around her men- her mental fitness. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's believed that a reasonable human being would not seek or want to die, regardless of what they've done, right? Like, it's... Uh, we could we can talk about talk how about that's that. not true. A human being's first instinct is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Any inclination to harm or damage yourself, and from my own standing and understanding of what I've been taught, mm-hmm. is a sign of unwellness. Like right. it's a, anyone who's looking to harm themselves, and that's outside. I'm not kink shaming, so I I have to touch on everything. Yeah, you do because someone will tweet me like, "Well, that's not true because." Outside of the realm of anything that is in the context of pleasure and consent is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the terms of damaging yourself to the point of um, extreme harm or death is a sign of unwellness or even ideations of it. Uh, so like that's, so that's something where they were trying to challenge that as well. And in this, Eileen would actually seek, uh, to distance herself from her lawyers, she tried to get them fired, saying, right. um, like, stop appealing for me. Stop trying to find excuses as to why this happened. She's uh, quoted that, I did kill those men, and I robbed them. Cold right. as ice. And she says that she I, she would do it again. Right. Um, so at the time, then-governor, not-presidential candidate, <laughs> uh, Jeb Bush, actually had a psych eval done right. um, uh, for Eileen. And there were three psychiatrists involved. And so what they ended up figuring out was that she was, in fact, mentally fit to to be executed. And for me, I'm... I'm a little questionable. It was pretty like, high score, too, though. Like, if you ask anybody, like, you know, justice-wise, she deserves to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about it, like, in that moment legally, because there's a difference between a moral and a legal. What's right. right and what's moral and what's just and what's legal aren't always the same thing. Um, and so even in this moment, mm-hmm. she tried, she tried to take her own life at times. She tried mm-hmm. starving herself. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that started happening, mm-hmm. uh, where it was very clear this woman was hoping to die. And that's right. what, like, that's what I'm saying is like, this is where I struggled. And like, at some point, like, you have to look back and say, did this person at any point really have a firm grasp on reality? Cause I think about the people in my life. And the people whose reality doesn't always look like mine. There's something and, I do want to correct about what you say real quick, though. Sorry. She was diagnosed with psychopathy. She wasn't well. She was well enough for oh, trial. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to mention, like, she scored. You know, typically the score, I guess, was something like, if you score, like, it's a 40 questions. 40 yeah. is the, somebody who is diagnosable um, with psychopathy. She scored a 32. Anything between a 25 and 30 is, is yeah. So she scored. 
Yeah, so she she's definitely not well. Yeah. Uh, so there's just a lot of things. So like I said I'm just going back, I'm, picking off of yes, yeah, she was please. definitely somebody yeah. with mental disorder. I'm just looking at my again, looking through my own lens. I'm like, I would hate for that to happen because I know, like, right? If you the half the time I have loved ones who I spend half the time trying to convince them that the world they are looking at and the lens they're looking through is not the right one. And another thing, like, come back about borderline too. Just on that, they have an ability to appear functional completely functional it's not something like you could tell it's not like hallucinations it's not like something like so outwardly no like you could be a completely functional person with borderline like no one has to know it's only when you start discussing things and get deeper that you could actually see it sometimes it's always that it's always once you either you step into a space where it's a more medical uh, diagnosing space mm-hmm. where someone's asking questions specifically to learn. Mm-hmm. Or if you just share space with someone. And actually, we talk about it all the right. time where once you get out of your space of people who identify with your level of, of quote unquote crazy, mm-hmm. like if they just used to it and they've become normalized, that's when someone's like, you're not quite. Yeah. Something's not curling all the way over what's wrong. Listen, people get married to people with mental illnesses all the time and, and don't no know idea. for you. Years until something happens, and they're like, "Oh, so I mean, like there are a lot of people in your everyday life that you may think is absolutely okay, but is struggling." Yeah, yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, there's no shame in going to see a doctor and getting and getting and getting a hold of your own uh, mental illnesses. There's nothing wrong with it. Just like every, I like explain to everybody, just like other parts of your body can be sick, so can your brain. And I'm all for if you need gradual, if you can't see a psychiatrist right away, go to their therapist. Just take, take the steps. steps. Yeah, I know it's terrifying. Some people are afraid of knowing, but there's nothing wrong with knowing. You're protecting yourself at the end of the day. It's part of self care. Don't I? Hey, <laughs> if people and I want it to be normalized as well as we could see somebody who like is unhealthy that may need to lo- lose a little weight for the health or something that you know maybe they're diagnosed with something and then all of a sudden like okay I'm gonna take care of myself now. Whatever it may be, it could be like back pains or whatever it is. It should be normalized. Where if there's something wrong with your mind, and I want it to be, okay, they, I see what you did. You know what I'm saying? You just see what I'm saying? I was like, why are you no, talking no, no. about weight loss? <laughs> Listen, because that's my own battle. Okay, not because I don't look good, because I'm fine, but because I feel like I want to get healthy for myself, and I don't want to go into my family history's illnesses as well. Right. But and that's why I use that example, but not to like fat shame, <laughs> but. You know, I want it to be normalized. I want it to be, you know, mental health is just like, you know, going to a doctor's. If you need to take a sick day from work because of your mental health, you take it. And like, I have Not just if you're <coughs> in the flu. I've definitely done that. I've definitely oh, I, taken I days off because I am not, right not now, well enough. Right now, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I was I'm there recently. <laughs> so eventually, all these, all the attempts to... Uh, stave off execution uh, would fail. Uh, In October 9th of 2002, Eileen Warnos was fed her last meal. She had KFC. um, $20 worth. That's Uh, a lot. In the the early 2000s? That's a lot. And when asked if she had any last words, uh, they were, yes. I would just like to say that I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back. Like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. I'm Big mothership you. and all. I'll be back. I'm telling you she wasn't I'll well. I'll be back. She, she, had, she was not well. No, and she, she was not. No, and she had one friend there uh, 
to view her passing and was there to her, with her till the end from childhood. So from it's, high school. It's intense. Her party days. And that day, 9.47 a.m., Eileen Swornos was pronounced dead. Uh, and she was actually only the 10th woman in the United States to be executed. Right. And so it is a... I don't know. I have a I have a very soft spot, and I probably people probably hate me for this. They're like, he loves serial killers, and I don't. I just I see where things go wrong, and most of this, most of the things we talk about is like if this didn't happen, if these six things were treated or caught uh, beforehand, X, Y, and Z would never have happened. I mean, at the same time, devil's advocate, there are people that probably live similar lives, if not worse, than Eileen that don't go the route that she that she went probably struggling through the same mental illnesses and, you know, lived a pro-social life. So, you know... That's very true. And But you also, we then we have to start talking about environmental factors and all the things that keep people from... Because there are tons of people who have schizophrenia who are not mm-hmm. who are not violent people. The majority of people with mental illnesses aren't incredibly violent, right. uh, abusive people. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are, there is usually something that will trigger that, something that pushes them into that. Um, if someone's not actively looking to treat them or looking to kind of reel them and anchor them, mm-hmm. then what are you doing? So for a while, even Eileen would have the support systems that, quote unquote, that some people would deem as enough, right? Mm-hmm. So she had a relationship, but that relationship was tenuous at best. It was toxic. Um, right. And it's then she had family bad. members, but again, toxic. Yeah. So like there are all these systems in place, but just not ones that were viable. Again, like I said, it, it true, but also there are people who don't have the socioeconomic means to get the help and still don't go this route. So but again, we, you don't know what it is. Yes, like, it's like that toss up sometimes. And then she had the anger issues. It was a little bit. Extra. Well, there are a lot of there are a lot of things she, that she had the mental help and then anger issues, just intermittent anger, anger issues, anger problems. Sometimes it's really hard to control that. At just with somebody who doesn't have the diagnosis. Now, if you have a diagnosis and a mental, uh, like a, a mental diagnosis and an anger issue, that's, that's well. No, I would say a lot of those all... things are symptoms of other things. And if right. they were they were caught and treated, like there's just the spaces she was in where behavior like that was not just normal, it was celebrated. You know, if you the the more angry you are in a biker bar, the more edgy right. and cool you are. The more angry and, like, if you reacting to abuse in your home is anger, that's not seen as wrong, you know? And at some point, that's it seems like you should be upset. Like, people would let her trash things because, like, she had the right, quote-unquote, she was scary, um, sleep, like, laying out and sleeping around. Yeah, the wrong environment could be toxic for anyone, and instead of, sometimes when people have issues, instead of being in that, I don't know, baseline setting... They find people who are like them, mm. so it masks the underlying issues. So right, right. that biker board was, was her outlet. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. There are ways to there are ways to get all this stuff out. Um, but that's it. That's Eileen Warnos. Yeah. Um, next episode is going to be heartbreaking. I apologize in advance. Thank you for stressing me out. It it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I chose it Love because it. it's a very recent case. It came up. Across my newsfeed, and it was very similar to another case. So I think we're gonna, we're gonna do two at once because they're incredibly similar. Um, and so, so break my heart twice is what you're trying to tell me. Essentially, no, um, no. only because these things, um, these specific things, are kind of close to my own life, and I've kind of crossed paths with me. So I've seen these things kind of happen, and I'm like, oh, let's explore that. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, look out for the welfare check. 
Uh, we're doing a lot of things in the next three weeks. So Stress. if you if we are somehow again one of us getting married, crime con is a mm-hmm. thing. Um, so if that is something that we're I don't know, we may not be as available online as we as we usually are. All these things like trying to. I definitely know the week of crime con. If I'm not present, that's what. Oh, the week of crime con. I'm Forget I'm gonna it. be from like my wedding. Oh, I'm gonna be. See, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be upset about anything. (laughs) Stress. Once the week is here and everything is lined up, I just have to hop on a plane. I'm not even concerned at that point. I got my bags packed. Yeah, that doesn't stress me out. It's once I get there and like make sure everything's squared away. Everyone's got my name on a badge. Everyone knows who I am. As long as I can move freely, like I need to, we're good. Absolutely not. Not for me. (laughs) I have. My wedding, my stepdaughter, and then I'm going. Well, I'm talking about crime con itself. Like yeah, you're talking about, yeah, you've got a lot going like, on that. Yeah, that week is yeah. Yeah, I've that got a shot for me. I've got a few events. I've got uh, a procedure to do for my stomach where I get to be sedated and have people taking things from my body. So that's exciting. Can you be okay for crime con? Oh, I got a choice. If they, I told them if they find something, we could talk about it the week after because I got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, where can people find you on the internet? It's D underscore I-S-A for on Instagram and Twitter. You can see my makeup on my Instagram as well. Y'all see the link there. I'm gorgeous. Yay. You guys can find me Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter at Charnel B. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at What Did You Do Pod. Uh, find us. Search your Facebook for What Did You Crew. Join the crew. It's Join an awesome crew. little... I love uh, the crew so much. As do I. You guys talk a lot of trash. And I love and it. It makes me happy. Um, and talk about a lot of trash. And Florida. <laughs> every month I would say there's like two Florida. Like, I love sharing stories. a Florida case where I'm like, <laughs> keep it up, Florida. You're doing great. Like there's, there's, oh man, I was like, as soon as I see a case, I'm like, Florida. 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 <laughs> Alligator off, Florida. I, yo, the one about the lady who, <laughs> the alley, I can't. I was like, I'm so sick. <laughs> I was like, how do you get caught with an alligator? alligator. I can't do this. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, take care of yourself. Like like D said earlier, um, or not so many words, but it's the secrets that do make you sick. If you are worried or afraid of being diagnosed, if you're worried and concerned about judgment um, or afraid of the path forward once you do find out something is, something is a little bit off, all you got to do is find some support. Uh, doctors, therapists, psychiatrists will off, be able to offer those resources to you. Sometimes Absolutely. it's the annoying form of a pamphlet. Sometimes it's just a phone number. Sometimes it's web links. Uh, get you some community. Get you around people who are going to understand. Get yourself around people who are going to understand you, uh, encourage you, and motivate you uh, to navigate those things. Um, is that are you good? No, I'm laughing because sometimes my mom and hers, sometimes a warm bath is not going to be the help that you need. Yeah, get someone who's going to give you real... <laughs> employable transformative my mom was like did you take a bath <laughs> like yeah. did you breathe <laughs> like right, wow. thank you mom <laughs> did you did you exist um i'm existing and that's where I'm, that's where my trouble comes from but yeah get you somebody who's going to give you real transformative options uh not someone who's just going to tell you to practice take basic hygiene but sometimes that's a step True. towards success i've sometimes successful days for me aren't going to work and knocking it out of the park sometimes successful days the fact that i got up showered and went a makeup day is always a good right. day for me <laughs> so i was like the fact that i did things if i did, if i go to work with makeup it's a good day <laughs> but other than that yes 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 thank you uh guys so much for listening that was eileen warnos check out uh all our former episodes and whatnot um that's it yep behave yourself make good choices 
Bye. Bye.